This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Let me share with you a moment. We're going to pray for Kevin in a moment and uh, pray for our service. But Kevin is down in South Carolina today at Decibel Church. And some of you probably remember Shane came up a while back and preached to us and started a new art church similar to ours, you know, the art organization. Uh, and so Kevin's down helping those guys out today, and he asked me what I feel in for him. And I tell you, I, I really a little bit nervous about it, but I feel so honored for somebody like Kevin because, you see, Kevin's a lot younger than me, and you would think that I could be his mentor, but it's just the opposite way. Kevin is a, a great man of God in my eyes, and I've learned so much from him in the short time that I've known him. And I just appreciate him so much giving me this chance. And most of all, I think having the trust in me that I could come up here in the pulpit that God has called him to and fill in for him. So I thank him for that. And let's pray for his service today and let's pray for ours. Fathers, we come to you this morning. We just give you thanks for your love, first of all, for coming to us. And God, we ask that you would bless Brother Kevin this morning, bless that church. Thank you for what you're doing in that church of life. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives here at Vortex. Thank you for this opportunity that we have once again to come, to meet together, and you bless us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As Kevin mentioned last week, Easter's coming up, and and on social media, let's try to blow that out, get the word out, advertise everybody. Hashtag Easter at Vortex. Hashtag Easter at Vortex. If you're a social media guy or girl, Let's do that. Now, I'm not, and you'll understand in a minute. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But let's do that and try to get people here. You know, Easter and Christmas are two of the biggest times that we can get folks to come to church that may not come any other time in the year. And what a great opportunity if we can invite them and, and maybe God will speak to them. There's three types of people that we want to focus on and invite. The first one is... We won't invite people that are not involved in a church. Now, that's great other people come and visit us from time to time, but we really don't want to steal anybody from the church. We want to ask people that are not involved in a church now. And also, we won't invite those people that are not in a good place in life. Maybe they're having some issues, and you as an acquaintance or a friend, you probably understand that and know that. So those type of people that are not in a good place. And the third uh, type of person is those that are not prepared for the next season in their life. So let's reach out. Reach out. Um, I've read a survey recently that 97% of the people that are unchurched, that if you ask them, that chances are they're going to come, probably would be here. Uh, a lot of us think, well, that's the pastor's job, let him invite. But no, it, it seems to be more sincere if a friend or an acquaintance will ask them. So let's try to do that. This morning as we come, we're finishing up on our series, The Center of It All. If you're like me, it's been a great series for you. I really enjoyed it. And this week, we're going to talk about relationships, about the relationship and relationships, The Center of It All. I guess if we could have put a subtitle, I would probably have called it Jesus, Following Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World. Following Jesus in a Selfie-Centered World. Now, the thing about it... Uh, you're going to learn as I tell you this story, and I'm going to try to do it right so you guys bear with me because I'm not a big social media hog. You know, it's, it's like I'm just learning this stuff over the past year. 
But um, Gina, Kevin, y'all know Kevin's sister, Gina. She was telling me the other day, now, Jimmy, it's not a pound sign. It's a hashtag. I said, oh, okay, because, you know, when I was a kid, I'm glad you said that. When I was a kid and coming to church, it was tic-tac-toe. I remember me and my sister and some other guys, we'd sit in the church and tic-tac-toe, three in a row, X's and O's, you know, you win. So that's what it stood for then. And as I got to being an adult, I realized, oh, it's the pound side. And now here I am, they've changed it again. It's a hashtag. So, all right, good deal. And I said, well, what does it mean? Well, she explained, well, if you got hashtag Easter Vortex, you go on Facebook, you put that in, hashtag Easter Vortex, you can see everything everybody's posting. Now, that's, that's kind of amazing, somebody like me, but that's what we do. So, so as we go this morning, I'm going to share a story with you out of the Bible, and I'm going to try to see what it may look like, maybe just for fun, and maybe as an example of what it may look like if it was today and Jesus was doing that. Zacchaeus, probably a lot of you have heard about Zacchaeus, a man in the Bible. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. As a matter of fact, he was a chief tax collector. And he was unliked by a lot of folks because, you know, he's a little bit shady. Well, Jesus is the king of, of Twitter, okay? I mean, he's got like a gazillion followers on Twitter. Uh, so he's really out there. Well, Jesus posts one day or tweets, whatever. Well, I guess he tweeted, didn't he? So he tweets one day. Hey, guys, I'm going to be going down to Jericho today. Hope I'll see you there. Well, Zacchaeus, he's a, a Facebook guy, too. So he sees that tweet, and so he says, you know, I'm going to post on Facebook so Jesus will come down and see me. So Zacchaeus, if you ever remember the song, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. So he wasn't a big guy. He's kind of short, had a hard time seeing over crowds. Big man in the, in the social standing, but not a big man in stature. So Zacchaeus, he goes down. And he finds his place. He gets down in Jericho, and he, he does a selfie. <laughs> By the way, I just learned what a selfie was. I'm going to interrupt this a minute. <laughs> About a year ago, last vacation, uh, our family went on vacation. And my brother-in-law, Gary, a lot of you know Gary. So Gary and I, we go down to the beach ahead of the girls. We got the boys with us ahead of the girls. So Gary and us and the boys, we go down to the beach so they can play a little bit. Well, there's this nice-looking young girl. She comes down not far from us, spreads out her blanket, has her cooler, has a book, has some other things, and all of a sudden Gary says, look over at her. I look at her. I said, what's she got, a binocular she's looking at through that phone or something? Does it magnify out over the ocean? No, man, she's doing a selfie. A selfie? What's a selfie? He said she's taking a picture of herself, and then she was, you know, texting or whatever. She was sending it out to her friends, of course, how you younger folks know, telling everybody what's going on. Hey, I'm by myself at the beach. I don't know. She may have scanned the crowd. I said, look at all my friends on the beach today. <laughs> and I said, wow, you know, I, she's taking a picture of herself, so I tried it. He said, yeah, you got to practice yourself. So we got back to the house, and I'd get my phone out, and I'd try it. i look at it, and i said, my Lord. Now, I realized right then that some people don't need to be taking selfies this close up. I discovered that's why they put timers on them so you can get about 30 feet away from them. Mom and Dad's here. I love you guys. You're the reason I'm here today. But I'm a lot like my dad. We both got kind of big breathers. And when you take that selfie, that thing gets pretty large, so... I realize I don't, you know, I don't think this selfie thing's for me. Now, you guys can take a picture of me, okay, but I don't know about this selfie. But anyway, Zacchaeus, he's got a good profile. So he's, he's there, and he takes the picture. So Zacchaeus takes the selfie, 
Well, he gets on Facebook and he posts it. And he tags Jesus with it. And undoubtedly, that means it goes straight to him and he sees it. Wow, that's good. Okay. Jesus thinking, wow, that's good. I'll, I'll go down and see. So Jesus is going through Jericho. And there he is. And Zacchaeus has told him exactly where he'd be because in his post he said, Hey, Jesus, I'll be at the corner hanging, corner of Sycamore and South Main. So there I am, Zacchaeus. So he goes up to him and he asks him to come down and he talks with him. And they go to the house. Well, he talks with him, and we'll get in maybe a little bit of what it says a little bit later on. But as they get into the house, Jesus, being the, you know, the social media king, he says, come here, Zach, I'm going to do something. So he takes a picture. Jesus, now, this is Zacchaeus, a guy that's not liked in the community, cheated a few people, probably be considered a little shady in, in, the, in the, you know, social media. So he goes out, and he takes that picture, and Jesus does. Come a little bit closer. Okay, so Jesus posts to all of his fathers, me and Z. Hanging out, going to do lunch. Right away, he gets two likes and about 1,003 comments. And those two likes were probably the guys that were under Zacchaeus anyway. But people said, I can't believe he's going to eat with sinners and things like that. Point of view, I want to make a point about how social media today has affected our life and how it's changed some of the way that we do friends. Um, there's a commercial on TV. Matter of fact, it's real good for that. And, and uh, you've probably seen it, and I can really identify with that one lady. But there's two old ladies. I think it's an insurance commercial. She says, they tell me I can save money if I post on my wall on Facebook. So she says, so here I am. I've got my wall. This is her wall in her house. She's taped all of her pictures. I put them all on my wall, so I'm going to save money because I use Facebook. And the old lady says, I don't think that's what they mean. And she says, they said I could save money. I've got them posted on my wall. That's not how you do it. The lady that's posted them on the wall, I unfriend you. Just that quick. I unfriend you. That's it. I don't like what you say. That's it. You know, when I was a kid or a young adult, we got mad at people and we would get sad. It wasn't that easy. Matter of fact, I'm glad it wasn't because we would come back and sometimes getting over and apologizing was part of the best part. But it's that easy now. So we can use terms friends where Jesus had a gazillion friends. The average Facebook, adult Facebook user now has 328 friends on Facebook. Now, I've got two, Pastor Kevin and my daughter. The only reason is because I want to know what Kevin's got going on. He communicates with me a little bit, and my daughter made me. I don't know anything about it. So if you've ever sent me one to be your friend, I love you, but I don't know anything about it. So I'm not your friend. Real friend, yeah, but not Facebook. I don't know how, okay? But uh, I, I use it for the pictures and things like that and communication. But I, I had to get my car inspected this week. So I go to the service station. It's one of those drive-up service stations, and the guy says, what, you need oil change? I said, no, I just need an inspection. So get out. He takes my car on through. I walk in the waiting room. There's about eight adults, you know, men and women mix in there. Now, when I used to go to service station with my dad, when I was a kid, you walk in the service station, there's about ten old men in there smoking and got peanuts in their Pepsis, and somebody's always got a good story to tell, you know, and everybody's got to focus, and you're listening. Well, I walk in, here they are. Well, I see a guy I know. I say, hey, Teddy, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm fine. He has an iPad or something on his lap. I said, what you got there, a toy? I thought maybe he's playing a game on it. That'd be the only reason I'd know to have it. No, no, I, I do my books on this. I'm keeping that up. Well, he shuts it up. and We do have about a two-sentence conversation, then his car comes in. It's ready, so he leaves. But I just sit there, and I look around. And there's one girl. She's so like this. It's like, oh, God, I hope nobody speaks to me. Don't talk. And I thought, we 
have really changed as society. Now, this little phone I've got gives me access to all the world, but yet it can keep me right here in my own box if I want it to. You know, I would have, you know, used to there's always somebody that was in there would talk, and you think, I wish that guy would hush. You know, I just, I want to relax a moment. I got a moment. So you would strike up a conversation. Hey, you like that car? I see you driving a Taurus. You like it? Oh, yeah, I like it. I got one, but it's not like that one. I said, yeah, they've changed them. I like mine, but, yeah, get good gas mileage. Oh, yes, that kind of conversation. But it was just dead silence in there, seven or eight adults, and it's amazing. We're all doing this. I didn't want to do it because my battery was almost dead already. It was in the afternoon. I knew if, if work called, I wouldn't have a battery. So I was, But it's amazing how social media has changed. I was telling a friend about that just this week, too, and he said, I understand. He said, I went to a restaurant the other day. A family of six came in, mom and dad and four kids. Every one of them had some type of device. I think it was either two or three had big enough like an iPad or a laptop or something flopping up on the table. Here they are. They're all going at it. They're just going to it. The waitress comes and ask about what they would have to drink or take the order or something. He said, you ain't going to believe it. The dad said, uh, we haven't had time to look at it. Can you give us another moment? And they went right back to finish. Now, it was probably important. I don't know. Or was it a game? I don't know. But it's amazing how social media has done what it has done, how it has done things to us. Now, I'm not busting on social media. It's great. And we'll expound on that in a minute. But uh, I do want to say this. That man and that, that woman, husband and wife, they missed a great time to connect. I know some of you young parents especially, you're torn between church, work, school, activities after school. All the places you have to be, as, especially if you've got a couple or three or four kids, all the places they have to be, it's, it's like amazing now. The world is yanking at you from every direction. So we've got a meal here. We finally got to go out and we've got a meal and everybody's got a gadget in front of them. Dads, take that time to love your kids and to teach them. Or, or your wife, you know, talk to your family. And I'm as guilty as anybody, okay? So I'm preaching to the choir here, you might say. I'm as guilty as any of that. But what I learned from, from those people in that restaurant and the people that I was at at the service station the other day, we as church folks, we must be engaged. We've got to be engaged, not just on these gadgets. If we want to change our relationship, if we want to get centered, We've got to have some help a lot of times, and it comes from each other. Being centered in Christ, we are the only ones that can change that. So in your notes, we must get engaged. Uh, over the next few moments, we're going to read a few scriptures, and we're going to maybe make some observations out of those. And our first scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, and it's John 13, 34, and 35. Now this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Our first observation, I think, from that and from what we've said so far, and this is in your notes, social media can be a good thing, but not the best thing. Social media can be a good thing, but not the best thing. Let's go back to Zacchaeus and Jesus. What we don't know, what I didn't share with you in that story was Zacchaeus' feelings. Zacchaeus was a man that was hurting inside. Zacchaeus maybe was feeling some conviction. Maybe he was being drawn to Jesus because he had seen some of the miracles. Uh, maybe he had seen the power that Jesus spoke with. 
Uh, maybe it was because nobody liked Zacchaeus. He felt like he was unworthy in the community, and he, only, he also felt like that in his own heart, that I'm unworthy, I'm not whole, I'm just no good, but I can't change who I am. And maybe he saw that glimpse of Jesus that he can change. Now, what if it would have went like this, that story? Zacchaeus posted and tagged Jesus and said, Yeah, I'm hanging out down at the corner of Sycamore and South Main. Jesus said, That's great, man. I've been there before. That's a great place. Man, I'll be thinking of you, bud. Maybe we can get together and do lunch sometime. See you. Have a good day. Love you, bro. What if it would have been something like that? And he did not engage. But he didn't. He engaged. There we see the power. It's not just about connecting, but we have got to get engaged in lives. Also, number two in your notes is we should teach each other how to connect and engage. Well, wait a minute, Jimmy. Now, Jesus, he knows all about connecting and engaging because, after all, he's Jesus. But you're saying we should teach each other how to connect and engage? Exactly, exactly. When I started here, I don't know, a year and a half or so ago, I'd been coming a while. Pastor Kevin said, Jimmy, I want you to do something for me. I said, okay. And he didn't know me other than just coming to church. He said, I, did, I, I would like for you to lead a small group, a community-based small group out of your house or something. And I said, well, uh, do you give us literature or do you give us some kind of, because I'm not just one real big just to think of stuff out of there. I'm not an original guy at all. And he said, yeah, we, we take our sermon notes, and a lot of you community groups will just take those sermon notes, and they'll go over those and discuss them. I said, okay, I think I can do that. Now, here, here's where the teaching comes in. In my small group, I knew about half of them by name. Now, fortunately, my wife, of course, and then my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they were in my group, and they're like, they're like blood. They're so close. So they were in the group. But... These other guys that were in my group, I think I knew, I think I knew of them all by name. And I knew a couple of them like, hey, how are you? Hello. And that's it. Uh, I've known Vaughn Rummage all my life because when I was a little kid, well, Vaughn's not much older, but even when you're six years older than somebody, when you're a kid, you know, if I'm 10, Vaughn's 16, he seemed like a grown man. But I've known him, but I'd never really spoken to Vaughn other than a few words to say, hey, how are you? And probably him, me, like that. But as we started a small group, over a period of time, when we share, things started changing. Uh, we started learning each other. We started trusting each other. We started connecting, and we started engaging. And we were just talking about the other night, uh, Jan and myself, after our small group met. I'm going to have uh, a bone spur removed off my elbow this week, so I have a little bit of surgery there. And um, somebody said in the group, you know, we always have a prayer time. And somebody said, we should pray for you, Jimmy. Lay hands on you and pray for you. I said, yeah, I, I want you guys to lay hands on me and pray for me. So they did and we prayed about my elbow. And, uh, you know, the group was just a regular Wednesday night group we have. And we got home and Jan and I was talking about how good the group was. And she said, I don't know what it was, but it was just real good. And I said, yeah, the same with me. It just seemed real good. Uh, can't put your point, your finger on it. But I thought about something, too. And I was thinking about, you know, you can get so close to somebody that you thought, I, I never really knew these folks, but they're just like me. They love just like I do. Some of them even better than I do. And I was thinking back to our prom last year. Did any of you go to the Vortex prom last year? A few of you. Well, when we have our next one, please go. It's just a blast, a ball of fun. But our small group, we got so close that the women got us men 
to actually every one of us to wear a shirt like this, a tuxedo shirt. We all dress alike. Now, to get men that's 50s and 60 year old to dress alike and the girls all dressing alike, that's not an easy task. We felt confident with our love, and we wanted, I guess you might say we've become to the point that we just want to love and be loved and have fun. And our small group has helped do that for us. But something that when they prayed for me, and I told them, I said, guys, I've been prayed for by preachers and folks, but I have never felt any better, any more power or presence of God than when you guys prayed for me and laid hands on me tonight. And that taught me something, which is our next point, our observation. Number three, we have to get practical, guys. We as individuals, we have to get practical, and we have to love each other face-to-face and not thumb-to-thumb. We have to love each other face-to-face and not thumb-to-thumb. Several years ago, I was attending another church at the time and had some good friends that went to church with them. And uh, the girl's dad had been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he started his battle of that sickness and was in and out of the hospital through this illness. And on one of the first episodes of his illness, uh, they all gathered up here at the hospital in Albemarle, and they called me to come by. And so I went in with them, and what you don't realize, guys, till you've been there is at this point in time, I was this girl's Sunday school teacher where we were going. So when I come to her, I represented something other than just a friend. Now, she had her husband, two older brothers, or one older brother and one younger brother, her mom. Her family was around the very support team that she would need. But when I come up there, I represented the church. I represented something a little bit more. That's who we are. That's who we can be if we engage power. And we were sitting there, and they were kind of telling me about what had happened to Dad and what he was going through and what the doctors were saying. And all of a sudden, she got real emotional, and she said, Jimmy, i got to have some help. I can't do this. I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I thought about, wait a minute, let me run outside. Hey, doctor, will y'all come down? This girl, this girl here needs some help. You know, I didn't know what to do. But fortunately for me, Jesus showed up. And he led me and said, okay, guys, come on. As a family, we got together. And we held hands and we prayed. Now, I don't remember what we prayed, but we prayed. And I'm sure there's a lot of help us, Lord, and give us faith and trust, Lord. And I love you, Jesus, and just be with us and give us that double dose of faith and help us. But by the time we'd stopped praying, she had uh, calmed down some. I'm sure she was still hurting, but God had showed up in the peace that only he can give. She started to experience some of that. I realized something. Now, it would have been great. She could have called me or one of the other family members could have called me and said, Jimmy, Dad's in the hospital. Would you pray? And I said, I sure will. I sure will. I'm going to be thanking you guys. If you need anything else, call me. A call and a greet would have been nice. But I learned something that night, guys, that there is real power in presence. There's nothing like presence. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't even have to be a Sunday school teacher. If you're a friend and you have a relationship with the Lord, They know that. They feel that. They can draw off of that. There's power in presence. Emmanuel. God with us. Now, in the Hebrew name, Emmanuel stands. That's one of Jesus' names. The good thing about the Bible is, you know, it's in different languages. And uh, Jesus has several different names. And Emmanuel is one of them in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, Emmanuel means God with us. 
God knew we needed presence. He knew we needed that presence, guys, in our life. So he sent Jesus. Now, here's the beauty of it. Jesus, God could have spoke salvation into all of our lives. I mean, he's God. He could have spoke it into being. He spoke this world into being. But he knew we would need presence. And Jesus left the splendor of heaven, as the song says, on Calvary to pardon and sanctify me. He knew we'd need that presence. And in Hebrews, our next scripture is Hebrews 10, 24, talks about being present. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Let us act and let us encourage. And I think that's where our next observation comes in is that there is power in the presence of your small group. There is power and presence in the presence of your small group. In your worship guide today, you had an insert, a little pink insert. It shows some of our community-based small groups, some of our special interest small groups, like a serve team or a disc. You know, when you get in these small groups, you think, well, community-based and at home, that's different. But uh, you, you can learn a lot from that and engage and love one another. You can in throwing disc golf, in shooting, in setting up. When I first set up, and, and if you don't, I'm going to encourage you to do that. I do it once a month to make it fun. I don't want to get burnt out on it, but I want to do it once a month because it's fun. One of the first times I'd done that, somebody out admiring this church went up to him and he said, Hey, bro, give me some love. And he grabs you like this with one hand, pulls it to his chest, and then he pats you on the back with the other. I have learned to love that guy because he loves me. We should all start doing that when we see one another in church. Hey, brother, hey, sister, give me some love. Thank you, brother, for loving me. So you see, it don't have to be community-based. We can be setting up curtains. We can be making coffee. We share. We get to know one another. Being engaged with one another in our small groups is what does it. In small groups, we learn to be vulnerable and real. We learn to be vulnerable and real. There's nothing, nothing like trusting someone enough to be vulnerable and lay it on the line. I shared with my folks the other week, you know, when I, as a younger man, I was pretty dogmatic in my faith. And when I came to Vortex, I realized I don't have all the answers. I don't know it all. I may have thought I knew the majority of it, but I am learning a lot. And I was vulnerable enough to share with my group. I need you guys because Pastor Kevin preached a series a while back called Sabotage. I learned that I was sabotaging my own life a lot of times. I was filling in the gaps with worry. I was maybe bitter. I was maybe prideful. A lot of things. And I was damaging my own walk that I can change. I can, I can change that. In small groups, we can be real. We can be vulnerable. As I said, we can pray together. We can laugh together. We can cry together. We can sing together. We've got a few guys in our group that sing like angels to us. And when they do, the Holy Spirit shows up. And sometimes we, we realize that Jesus has skin. In your small group, that's an important thing because I need sometimes, I need for Jesus to have skin. I need that touch. I need that hug from my small group. It can be, help you to be centered in your life. Observation number three, the power of presence teaches humility and that God cares. Humility and God cares. 
God cares enough, and you've probably heard this saying, that, you know, if two or three of us get together, and if we're loving Jesus, then God's going to show up. He made that promise. He said he would. He's going to show up, and he's going to love us. The power of presence. So, and that's when God says, you know what, guys? You're finally starting to get it right. You're finally starting to get it right. So, let's get centered. Goes to our last section. Let's get centered. We've talked about some observations. Now, how are we going to get centered? Let's talk about that. In 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. Our first observation under this section is if I talk only and I have words with no actions, then I have a pen pal relationship. Or today we would say I have a texting relationship. If I talk with no words, I make it too easy. With only words, I'm sorry. If I have no actions, I have just a pen pal relationship. We need actions. Practical relationships with actions help move us to the center. Practical relationships with actions help move us to the center. I'll be honest, when I came to Vortex for the first time, it came out of curiosity. I got a flyer in the mail, and I seen this funny emblem on it, and the Vortex Church meeting in the theater, I said, oh, boy, that's got to be right down my alley. Holy rollers, i got to go check this out. <laughs> Didn't know it was going to have rock and roll Jesus music. I love it, don't y'all? I do. I love our praise team. But I came out of curiosity. But then I came, and there was coffee and a good cushiony seat. And a lot of you are like me. You came out of curiosity. Or maybe you knew a pretty girl or a good-looking guy that came, and you thought, I'm going to go because of them if you're single. Or maybe there's some other reason you came. But then all of a sudden, as I started getting involved, actions, as I started taking actions, I noticed it was something different. Something was pulling me back to Vortex. It wasn't the curiosity, and it wasn't the coffee. It wasn't any other person. It was something that was drawing me, and I realized something special about that. In John, the Gospel of John 6, 44, let's see what that was. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Guys, that's great. Have you ever been sitting there, and you get this feeling in your chest, and it feels like there's a knot coming in your throat, and you can't wait to get up? And you think, is that that double cup of coffee I had and heartburn, or what is that? No, that's conviction. That's the Spirit of God drawing you. I don't know what to. It's different for each of us, but he's drawing us to that deeper relationship. Don't pass that by. That's one of the greatest gifts we have is that drawing and that conviction from God. Our observation number three, to be centered with Jesus, you need to be in a relationship that is real, and personal. It's got to be real and it's got to be personal. Now I started out out of curiosity but it quickly became real, became personal. You know a lot of times I think that we make things easy and we'll go through the church ceremony in life and it's, it's, it's maybe it's good but is it, is it real and is it personal? Is, is God talking to me by his Holy Spirit? Has God drawn me? Did I come for the, the coffee or did I come for a friend did I come for a girl or did God draw me if God draws me then it's real it's real and in our notes very important our last one I want you guys to think about this to be real I must yield my will for his will to be real 
I must yield my will to his will. I got saved in church when I was 12 years old. Something happened to me in my early 20s. I was at a tent revival. And I went down to pray for someone else. And when I knelt, it's like the spirit just fell all over me. And I've never been the same since. And I can't explain it exactly. And I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is God touched me. But I think it's because I really, really started to yield my will for his will. Give you a simple illustration, especially right now, Fitz. What if right now, and I know it's not, but what if right now, what if Duke or State or uh, Wake Forest or North Carolina, what if one of the local teams was playing in the tournament right now for a championship? Could you give it up and come to church? Or would you say, well, you know, I dismissed one Sunday, I'm going to go. One Sunday, one year, I stayed out of church. Well, I don't feel too good. You know what I stayed out for? And I'm ashamed. The Daytona 500. <laughs> now, I got a DVR. What's, what's, what goes? I could always fast forward to commercials and it'd be, be better. But we got to realize, folks, sometimes something that simple is just yielding our will because that takes us steps further in our relationship. Robert Morris, a pastor, and I'm going to finish with this. Robert Morris, a pastor in Texas of an ARC church just like ours. Started out like ours. It's huge now. He gives an example of his little boy about yielding because Robert goes on to tell about how he played church for many years, many years. He actually didn't get saved, but he joined the church because he wanted grape juice as a kid. That's the only way he could get the grape juice in communion. He said, God had to finally draw me, and I realized it later in life. But, but he tells an example about yielding a will, and he was teaching his five- or six-year-old son, Josh, he said, Josh opened the drawer, and he, he said, I didn't want him to get hurt from what was in there, or he had to obey me. So I said, now, Josh, shut the drawer. Daddy says, shut the drawer. He looked at him like that. You know how kids do. We've got them. He looked at him like that and scowled. Josh, now, Daddy's going to have to spank you if you don't shut the drawer. Do you want to spank him? No, Daddy, I don't want to spank him. Well, shut the drawer. He just stood there and looked at him like that. So he spanks him, and he said, always, after I spank him, I'd always take him, and I would love him a little bit, play with him, get him back smiling, laughing, doing something. They let him know that I wasn't mad or enjoyed whipping him, but the point is that he had to obey. So he put him down again. Now, now Josh, shut the drawer. You know you got to obey Daddy or he's going to spank you. Do you want to spank him? No, Daddy, I don't want to spank him. Okay, well, shut the drawer. Just dared him. Four times this, this happened, he spanked him four times. Each time he would love him and put him back down. On the fifth time, he put him back down. He said, Josh, run over to the drawer. Slam the drawer before he could ever say anything. Run back. He jumped in his daddy's lap. He yielded his spirit, his will to his dad's. Guys, that's who we are. If we will yield, you could be like Zacchaeus. You could have a lot of things going on in your life, but if you will yield, he's just like Robert, he's a dad that loves us. You know, the Bible even teaches, if a mortal man can love, how much more can God love? He's there waiting to love us if we will yield our will for his will. As our praise team would come this morning, as we get ready to pray, I want you to think about that. I want you to ask yourself this morning, you know, have I, have I had actions or have I just been a pen pal? Have I had a relationship with Jesus or have I just been coming and enjoying 
Did I come for some other reason that to be drawn? Ask him. He will draw you. If yours is just a pen pal, tell him you want to be real. This morning as we, as we bow our heads, would you bow with me? No one looking. I want to be real in person with you. I want you to be open. Maybe you have had more than a pen power relationship and you're trying to do all the right things, but you realize as we've been kind of focusing on that normal just isn't working anymore. Yeah, it's normal to be a pen pal, normal to text, but it seems like in my life normal isn't working. I need that peace. Yes, I'm saved, but maybe I haven't yielded. And today I want to yield to you, Lord. I want my life to be different from this day. Would you raise your hand? If you want to yield to him today, thank you. He knows that. He knows that. And maybe for the first time, you've never said, you know, I've never really asked Christ to come into my heart, and today I want to. I do feel like you're drawing me, Lord, because right now I feel something inside, and I can't wait for Jimmy to shut up so I can get out of here. Maybe that is the Spirit drawing you. For the first time, if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, he loves you. He wants you to be like that little kid and run and yield and jump up on his lap. If you've never asked him and you want to do that, would you raise your hand with me now? He sees those hands. Father, this morning as we come with power, with presence, with the Holy Spirit, do your work, God. Run through these hearts. Run through these minds. Change us from the inside out. Make us who you want to be, whether it's for the first time or whether we're going to be new and different today. And we'll give you the praise. And we know we're going to stumble along the way, God. But you said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And you would be there to catch us. And we will depend on that. Jesus came that we would have life and had it abundantly. So the first thing that happens when you walk out these doors, the adversary is going to try to trip you up. It's okay, guys, because Jesus said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let God love you today. And all God's people said, amen. <clears throat> amen.